0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal of Constitution with another edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. Going to do something a little bit different today and do a round table of some of the folks who are here every day covering atlanta united dirty south is not here today i guess joe patrick is all shooting a 70 something at east lake this morning <laughs> rather than being here uh, just a little jibe at joe uh, but we've got three other guys here why don't you to introduce yourselves
0: hey this is felipe Cardenas with the athletic hey chris Furmeister with pro soccer usa
3: good day everybody myself from the sports there we go so, I thought we would do
2: this. This is the first time I've done this, just talking about some different topics and trends with the team through these uh, first, what are we, uh, nine games, right, into the season, uh, with Orlando on deck on Sunday at Mercedes Benz. So, Felipe, what has been your biggest takeaway from these first nine games for Frank DeBoer's guys? I mean, I think
0: the, the transparency is, is, I think we should bring that up. I think the team has been pretty open about their, their struggles, their frustrations, uh, getting used to a new manager. Uh, and, and even after Toronto, after the win, the, a lot of questions were asked, is this team back? Are you guys back to the old Atlanta United? And they were still, you know, very frank in that, you know, we, we still have a ways to go. Like, wins are great, uh, but I don't, I don't think the swagger is necessarily back. Um, and so that's what I've taken away. I think the teams this is a very good team and, and, and they, they play well in stretches. They dominate some halves. Uh, but that you know, complete performance that we saw a lot under Tata, I, I still haven't seen that in 2019.
3: Yeah, I would agree with Felipe regarding the swagger. I think that it may be a symptom of what this system is under Frank De Boer. It's a little more pragmatic, even though Tato Martino went to a five at the back in the playoffs. It was still a team that any time they could get out in transition, they were going to do it. That's just not really the case this year. I mean, they scored first against Toronto, got an early goal. Under Martino, they would have been looking to be up 3-0 at halftime, but they started to get stretched a little bit, and they decided to sit back and were content to settle, let Toronto have the ball a little bit, and they didn't really push to go for the kill shot, and I think that that may be a little bit more of what DeWore wants to see, is once once a goal is scored, just control the game.
1: Yeah, I don't think we realize how condensed their schedule was to start the year. We were all here until early December with the MLS Cup run, and they had the shortest offseason out of everyone in the league, had prepared for another competition with the CONCACAF Champions League. All of that put together, plus a new manager moving parts, the Breck acquisition, uh, things like that, and Petey Martinez, which I'm sure we'll get to. Putting that all together within a short amount of time I think was very tough on the team, and I think you saw that with the uh, inconsistent performances in the early portion of the year. But I think now that they've been together, international breaks were taken care of, you're starting to see some more consistency, and the results have shown that.
2: Who do you all think has been the biggest surprise so far this season? I think Miles Robinson stands out. Uh, We're doing this podcast in the middle of the training center, so you might hear some background noise, um, like right now. Uh, I think Miles Robinson stands out as one of the bigger players for Atlanta United. We're going to go back to Marcel and whip it back around snake-like.
1: No, it's great. Miles has developed really well. We follow, at least on our side, I'm sure you guys too follow a lot of Atlanta United too, and seeing his development from being a guy who was there consistently last year and maybe get a tryout, maybe to... Fill in once in a while defensively in that back line, but to now being a consistent starter, he's been a surprise revelation, I think overall for the team if you look at an individual guy. Another guy I think that has potential as well, which if, if he said he's unhe- unhealthy right now is uh, George Bello I think has when he's had his time in, in training sessions is a guy who I think could be a good winner, but those are two guys that
3: develop with the youth system and I think I've been surprises. Yeah, Robinson has to be the obvious answer because he's absolutely a a star at center back. He's one of MLS's best center backs already. He was a great defender to start the year, but his his passing and maybe his comfort on the ball wasn't quite there yet, and we're already seeing that has improved greatly. I don't think he'll be with Atlanta United very long. I think that uh, he's a player who's going to keep growing. In addition to Robinson... I think that Barco, maybe people would say, is a surprise player just because he had a tough year last year. But he, he needed a year to transition. He he was growing in his role last year. You saw his efforts that he put forth in, in substitute performances late in the season. He clearly has the mentality, and this year we're really seeing he's he's blossoming into a star player.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'll I'll stick with Barco. Um, you know, I think not so much because of the year, the struggles that he had last season. That's a big part of his, his growth, but the the position that he's playing in, the role that he's had to, you know, take on without Miguel Amaron in the squad, I think we can all agree that he, you know, Miguel was very difficult, if not impossible, to replace. And, you know, Barco has taken on that role. He's attacking teams of the middle, he's he's playing very direct, he has this he has the type of speed. You know that Miguel has, where he can run away from a from, from a defender and and really force a, 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 an entire defense to to worry about him. And so, I think, other than the skill that we all know he has, it's that mentality, the confidence, the maturity, and even the strength. I think you know DeBoros spoke about that against after Sporting Kansas City, and you saw it in the game, shielding players in tight spaces. Uh, you know he does st- tend to flop, but that's just his game. You know I think that's how he grew up playing. And and you know I'll, I'll echo what Chris said. You know I think we won't see Bargo in an Atlanta United uniform for very long either. Who needs to step
2: up? Uh, we just got the release that the U.S. Under 20 national team was announced. Andrew Carlton uh, was not on it. I don't know if it's fair to put him in the category of needs to step up because he's not getting playing time. Now you could argue that. I guess that is an area he could step up in, is competing a little bit more to get more playing time. But of the guys that are consistently playing, who do you think needs to show a little bit more improvement?
0: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, I want to be – I'm going to be bold and say Joseph Martinez, and not because he doesn't play well. I think we all see it. You know, Doug, you've covered the fact that he's kind of turned into a playmaker for this squad. Um, and even though he was very open and said, hey, this next season is going to be very difficult, uh, the expectations that he has on himself after breaking records and leading the league in goals, uh, it's tough to come back from that. But, you know, just like we have kind of been on PT on pressing, you know, too often in games, you can see that in Joseph too. You know, he's a striker. I think when he gets in the box, that, that the calmness and, and that the, the serenity that we saw last season. Sometimes isn't there. Like he, he's so desperate to score uh, that we can see that in games. I think against Toronto it was evident. uh, Against uh, Sporting Kansas City, you could see that when he took his time and and just picked a corner. You know, he can still punish teams. So, you know, I think Joseph knows it, um, and you know, I'll stick with that. I think if he can kind of you know find his way and and let the game slow down for him, this he can break out. I think in the short term,
3: obviously people have complained about P.T. Martinez's start with Atlanta, but I think that's pretty unfair. So, in the short term, because he will be getting more minutes with Barco gone, is Tito Bijalba. He's a guy who always says that he believes he's a starting 11 player, and that if he just can get his opportunities, he will go out there and show everybody why he believes he's a starting 11 player. So, he's going to get those opportunities now. That's a tight schedule. Barco's gone. I mean, he's going to be starting on the left wing. Uh, you know, he might play inverted on the right sometimes, but He's going to have his opportunities, and I think he played well against Toronto. I think he still can be a little inconsistent, but he's a guy who needs to step up and prove to everyone why he believes he's a starting eleven player.
1: Yeah, and I'm going with the new acquisition, Breck Shea, a guy who there's there's really no alternative right now with Bellow's injury and international obligations for some of these players. He has to step up, and I think he's improved and gotten better with this system the turnovers he allows, I think, are too much and allowing other teams to counter. I think it's a, a spot that's kind of changed over with the transition with the new head coach, but I think way too often you see him get the ball and it's immediately in the other team's possession. And I, it, it's not a flashy position. It's not a forward like Joseph and some other guys scoring, or even we saw Miles you know, and gonzalez tracking back and making big tackles. It's, it's consistent position and that consistency hasn't been there, but I will say we see some improvement there you know, overall.
2: The thing about Breck that I always find interesting, particularly the vitriol that comes from people toward him on social media, is he did not come up as a fullback. He's basically a mid twenty something year old, late twenty-something year old guy who is having to learn a position. He doesn't have ten thousand minutes at this position like a lot of these other guys do. So I think people need to keep that in mind just a little bit. Now, some of his passes, like Marcel was just talking about, yeah, th- those can be better. Uh, I couldn't understand why he wasn't making runs down the left channel when Toronto was playing so narrow the other night, but that could be what he's being asked to do. Um, so it- it'll be interesting to see what happens with Breck when Bellow comes back. Uh, you know, Bello I'm assuming, is going to be back July, something like that, maybe early August. Viaba always cracks me up because you see this every game. He dribbles into three guys, somehow comes out the other side with a ball. Every game you see that. If he could just throttle back from the fifth gear to the fourth and a half gear, even the fourth gear, I think he could be a 15, 20-goal scorer every season in Major League Soccer. But he just can't. I don't know if it's just its maturity. You know, he's still a young guy. Getting that maturity to know how to use his speed a little bit better but we'll find out what happens. Who do you think is going to be the surprise player uh, through these next few games till we get to the international break? Uh, we'll go back to Marcel.
1: I think you mentioned Tito. I think with Barco not being available, there's a log. There's been a kind of a logjam up front with the, the two Martinezes and and the Barco and and Julian Gressel, who's you know playing a little more up front now. Uh, with Barco not being available, Tito has the time now. He's going to start these matches. So I think. That gives him confidence. He's going to be able to field more often. You mentioned the speed. I think he's kind of adjusting to that. He's almost too fast in a way where he thinks he can go through everybody. But I think with uh, the system and knowing that he's going to be playing every day, you know, every match, that's going to give him some consistency, and he's going to big step up for him.
3: We'll okay with the young guy, Dion Pereira. He, I don't think that he'll be starting games by any means, but he's he's shown already that DeBoer has confidence to, to put him out there and he did a fine job helping to kill off the game against Toronto. He was making good runs and, and getting the ball and advancing it. He scored a goal that was disallowed because of Joseph Martinez's earlier offside. He drew a foul outside Toronto's box in like the 91st minute or so. So I think that he's a player who's got confidence and he's going to get some minutes, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he scores a late goal and opens it as his account officially at some point.
0: Yeah, I'll say P.T. Martinez, you know, I, I, in, in that there's – the, the creative and the playmaking responsibilities are going to fall on his shoulders now. He got a 90 minute run out against Toronto. Uh, I think now he'll expect to be that guy. He's not really sharing uh, that role with Barco, which, you know, let's be honest, they were sharing that role. And, and I think sometimes they can get in each other's way or they, you know, they find themselves in positions where they don't feel maybe personally they do their best. Uh, For the team. So now he's going to be that guy. He's going to be that number 10. And, you know, he's playing for a lot too. Uh, Let's not forget that, you know, Copa America is coming up this summer. Uh, Yeah, he wasn't playing before and he got called up against Venezuela. But there's, you know, I think in Argentina, everyone knows what he can do. But there's no spot guaranteed, especially for a team like Argentina. So he has a lot to play for. I think he has a lot to prove. And and this is going to be a very important stretch, a very big, like, month of May for him.
2: Yeah, the thing about Pithy also, uh, he's 25 years old. He may be 26 now to look up his birthday. And he still wants to go to Europe. Yeah. Um, so if it doesn't happen here, I don't know if it will happen for him. So he needs good performances uh, to raise his value, to get back on, or not that he's off the radar, to get back on the radar of some teams in England. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think he's starting to relax a little bit. You, you can see he's not taking the 30-yard low percentage, not going to go in shots that he was taking earlier this year when he was trying to score a season's worth of goals in one shot. Um, and so as he relaxes, I think he's going to step up more. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Barco returns because, as Felipe just said, they're kind of playing the same position and they're kind of getting in each other's way. I don't think either one of them are particularly fast enough over 30 to 40 yards to play out on the wing. They just They can't get behind a fullback. To those diagonal passes um so it's gonna be interesting to see what frank does when barco gets back uh and they start this uh, june july push uh last question we're gonna wrap this up i've tweeted this out yesterday at United out has two games in hand on lafc if they were to win both games they would trail lafc by four points in the supporter shield race Atlanta United obviously did not win the supporters shield last year. They coughed it up with a horrible performance at Toronto. But can they push LAFC and get into the conversation for the supporters shield this season and get that trophy?
0: I think they can, but it's not easy. I mean LAFC I think we all can agree they are the you know the, the best team right now in major league soccer. They're very confident. You know, they're they are the year two version of atlanta united you know they they had their their first year where they showed promise but you know let's they, they came to atlanta got you know got schooled five nothing and so now they're this team that can do the same to other to, to other teams in mls they they play dc united off the field uh you know, you know they have the parts they have the coaching they have the mentality and the system to, to really dominate this league so but it's so early it's so early and i think the supporter shield is still relatively wide open, you know, despite where LAFC and even the Galaxy is. I mean, the, even the East, it just takes a couple wins, and Atlanta United is going to be right back there. So, so yeah, I mean, you look at the standings, Philadelphia, I think, is at 20, DC is at 20, you know, based on their second and goal differential, and right now Atlanta United is in seventh place in the playoffs, so I think they can still point to that trophy as one that they can really go and get.
3: I think finishing first in the East is absolutely a realistic possibility. The East is not as good as the West, it seems, and the depth or the, the deficit is not as much. Um, but catching LAFC, like Felipe said, they are great. The comparison in their year two to Atlanta's year two is is pretty apt, um, and they also have the same struggles that Atlanta did. They were just held to a goalless draw by Chicago recently, which you know Atlanta went through its troubles playing teams that bunkered. So, it's possible. I don't think it's likely. I think that if Atlanta continues to get on a nice little run here, then when they travel to L.A. later this summer, that'll be a, a pretty big game in terms of buzz for Major League Soccer. That could be a, a special event.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at the schedule, or just to easy mention the East in general, it's kind of been the reverse of what we're used to seeing with, it's been Atlanta and the two New York teams that have been kind of the and the NYCFC and the, the Red Bulls have been the teams that have, you look at if you did like a playoff prediction preseason, they'll be your top three most likely. We've seen reverse of that. Philadelphia stepped up. D.C. United, they second year with Rooney, they've stepped up as well. So I think that's good in Atlanta's favor, because I think the New York teams in Atlanta will find a consistency, not to say that Philadelphia and D.C. aren't good teams, but those starts are very good for them. I want to keep that up, so uh, that helps. As far as Florida Shield, I don't It matters. Trophies are good. Everyone wants that home field, especially with the change in the playoff format. Home field advantage is very important with the changes. But I think the possibility is there. I think the team has enough depth to do some rotations once we get towards the middle of the summer, which seems to be the kind of the differentiation point for when teams move up and down in standings. So, yeah, it's a possibility. It just depends. I think the team wants it, too. I think last year losing it that last day to Toronto is a motivating factor. So if the team's motivated for it and they have the depth to do it, I think it can happen.
2: Yeah, I think Atlanta United can do it only because, as you all pointed out, the West looks to be more competitive than the East right now. Um, so if Atlanta United can just pick off the teams that it should pick off in the East – Uh, It's going to make up ground pretty quickly. It's also easy to forget that if Atlanta United wins the games it has in hand on Philadelphia, it moves into a tie for first place. Its goal difference isn't as great, uh, but it would depend upon the results with those games in hand. Um, So why don't you all tell everybody what you have upcoming and how they can find you on your social media platforms. I do want to point out that please follow Dirty South Soccer on Twitter. They do a great job covering the team there's no one here for them right now, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't get credit for the work they've done.
0: No, I agree with that. Great guys at dirty South soccer. That's where I got my start. I started writing for them first. So, uh, but yeah, uh, find me on Twitter at Felipe Carr, Um, and then don't forget to follow the athletic soccer at the athletic SCCR. And, and, you know, just ironically and coincidentally, the, the, the story I filed this morning goes into this, you know, like the, the East, the West, uh, you know, Is it wide open, and what can Atlanta United do considering the run that they're on right now? I also spent a uh, brief
3: amount of time at Dirty Dirty South Soccer back in the day. Uh, I guess it's the uh, training ground for all of Atlanta United's beat writers other than Doug. Um, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at at CCFUHR. You can follow ProSoccerUSA at at ProSoccerUSA.com. And right now I'm working on a story about Will Vent, the young player who's playing with Atlanta United 2, came over from Manchester United's academy. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Very
1: cool. And head to sportsacquire.net sports for the site itself. As far as social media handles, Sports Enquire, just all one word. And working on some stuff with United, too, kind of similar to Will. I mentioned Miles and, and Bello, some other guys from the transition of the first team and the second team. So I'm trying to make those connections and seeing how Atlanta is using this developmental system to build its roster.
2: And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution we're going to talk to Justin Miram today. I'll have something on him for Friday afternoons. AJC.com and Saturday's paper. I'm uh, going to talk to Jeff Lawrence. He could. He's likely going to get his 400th appearance in Major League Soccer on Sunday, and uh, we're going to talk to him. And I'm hoping to get a sit down with him after, just to go into some memories uh, for some of the key games in this March to 400. I'll be with the team in Vancouver, in New York, in Salt Lake as I rack up the uh, Marriott points and the Delta Miles and my wife and six kids uh, get to live without me for a while. That might be a relief for them. Um, Anyway, please follow all these guys for coverage of Atlanta United. We each do something just a little bit different than the others. Uh, So it provides, I think, the best coverage of any major league soccer team. Uh, You could argue coverage uh, in this uh, western hemisphere, maybe, of any soccer team. Um, So anyway... Y'all take care. This has been Southern Fried Soccer.